All right, Chris Hall here for Dogs on Demand on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and all those other places uh, where you can uh, find our program. And today we're happy to have Brooks Austin with us. He's uh, director of uh, recruiting for Sports Illustrated's uh, Fan Nation, lead editor of Dogs Daily at Fan Nation. And uh, the, the rumor is he's going to be in the next uh, swimsuit uh, edition of uh, Sports Illustrated. Is that right, Brooks? Is that on the table? Man, if I had a nickel for that joke, I'm telling you. <laughs> I know, like, I know. I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's funny. It's like it's like the only. It's like it's like one of the very few things people associate Sports Illustrated with nowadays, other than you know whatever's in the news. I guess with sports, but yeah, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit is like the number one thing I get asked about. Like yeah. not not hey, are is Georgia going to win this weekend, or what do you think about the quarterback battle? It's almost always. Are you in the swimsuit edition or sometimes you yeah. joke about it? So yeah, I fun. know. Well, listen, I'm I'm glad that I lived up to expectations. Then. All right. <laughs> well, Brooks, it's good to have you uh, on our program today. And of course, uh, you know, you're really in touch in tune with what's happening in uh, college football, especially around the University of Georgia and what's going on with the Bulldogs. So here we go. Let, let me start off with this question. All right. Uh, give me your best shot. Give me your best uh, guess at the chances that the UGA will win a third national championship in a row. I get asked that question all the time. You know, people say, is it possible? Can it happen? Well, certainly it can happen. It happened once and twice. Could it happen a third time? What do you think? I mean, I think they're a a, a more, more bettable favorite this year than they were last year to repeat, if that makes sense. I thought they had more of a, like, dang, man, how are they going to overcome all that, you know, turnover yeah. last year? I thought that was more, much more of a discussion last year than this year. This year it's more about, like, hey, can they find a, a, a vocal leader on the defense? Is the quarterback going to be what we all think he kind of is? And based off what he's practiced like for the last three years, those are kind of the only questions. Not necessarily like, hey, how do you replace 15 guys? How do you replace 10 guys on that defense that were really, really great football players from that 21 to 22 season? So, if you would ask me to put a percentage on it, they're they're the betting favorite. They weren't last year. I think last year it was uh, they were the third uh, highest betting odds favorite behind Ohio State and Alabama. Um, so you know we we all know how it kind of turned out towards the end of the season. But this year, given the schedule and given the schedule, they they, they should be the favorites to uh, at least be in that discussion come January. And really, that's all you can ask um, yeah. is, is to have a puncher's chance now that there's you know still four college football playoff teams, not twelve. Once there's twelve. Man, this discussion is very, very yeah. new. This discussion is, well, we'll talk to you in January because we know that's where Georgia's going to be. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, so many changes are have happened and are happening in uh, college football. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of an old school traditionalist. I kind of like, you know, the, um, the polls saying, okay, this is who's going to play for the national championship. Not the best system. I know it's not the best system. A playoff system is the best system. Uh, we have four teams. Should we have gone to 12 or did eight make more sense? What do you think? So I I prefer the four for this very reason. I think college football has been special and is special and it's going to continue to be special, but it's going to lose a bit of that for me because college football is like nerves tight every single weekend. Oh crap. Georgia's only up seven fourth quarter midway through the, you know, the season, they have to win this game. They have to remain perfect or else they're not going to make the college football playoff or, you know, like we don't, we're not going to have that kind of, do or die moment. We're not going to have those Tennessee, South Carolina upsets mean that much more. It's just going to be, oh, well, Tennessee's got two losses now. They'll be ranked ninth instead of ranked fifth entering the college football playoff, or they'll be ranked 10th instead of ranked third entering the college football playoff. So 
I, I think you take away some of the week-to-week meaningfulness, which is, in my opinion, and I think you could probably agree, and I think most people will agree to this, the greatest part about college football to me is when I'm sitting in the box on Saturday and I'm watching Georgia, you know, beat the brains out of UT Martin, and then I look at my my uh, my uh, ticker on the bottom of my score sheet, and I go, oh, oh, dang, Clemson's about to get upset. I better go run over yeah. there and watch that football game. That type of sudden change in, in, in the the landscape of college football, and ultimately the end goal, the final you know outcome, that kind of that, that kind of impact, the week to week impact. I think we kind of lose that when we go from four to twelve. Yeah, and I think you know there's some positives with it. You know, after the conference championship games, you're you're going to have some meaningful games. You know, as the playoffs uh, happen and that kind of thing. Is is money all behind it? Is that what it's all about? Is money behind the expansion of the uh, playoffs? Yeah, I think there's rumors that the the TV contract for the college football playoff might reach a billion dollars. Wow. So, yeah, no, nah, it's 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 the reason all of this is happening in the college football. It's the reason realignment's happening in college football. It's the reason, uh, you know, things like the college football playoff going from four to 12. And it was inevitable, to be honest with you. Once they saw, like, ooh, once they got a little bit of taste of it with the college football playoff and saw four teams re- result in how much money and we only have to produce how many more football games. And, oh, we spend the entire December talking about it, too, on all of our networking partners. So yeah, it, it, once they got a taste of it, it was inevitable. We were going to 12 or we were going to 8. I just hope they have a hard line on this. I hope they have a cap yeah. on this because I'll be honest with you. I don't know when the last time I watched a college basketball game was. And a lot of that, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, ah, we'll see you in March. I don't have to yeah. watch your sport. I'll watch your sport in March for three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's don't go to 64 teams. I mean, yeah. is, <laughs> it, it, is the expanded uh, playoffs, is, is that going to destroy the, the bowl system, the bowl games we have, or will it enhance it as uh, some of these games – uh, might be played in the in the um, you know the in the bowls. What do you think? So you, you you'll make eight or what is that? That's four more bowl games, right? Because you're going from four right. to twelve. So you'll have four more bowl games in that the initial you know round of playoffs. You'll make those games more important. But we yeah. saw what the college football playoff you know just having those games mean the most. We saw what that did to the the increased number of opt outs and and even teams opting out of yeah. bowl season. Um, nowadays in college football so to be honest with you bowl season exists for two 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 or three reasons one people love football don't get it twisted like when football's on television americans watch that the history has shown that over the years two americans love gambling on football like that's really really (laughs) important nowadays And, and three tv networks need live rights programming they need stuff to put on their airways that isn't Skip Bayless yelling at the guy across the, from, from the table from him. So right. it, bowl games are important for a lot of reasons, and they won't go anywhere for those reasons. But, hey, how much guys actually care about them, I think those are kind of by the wayside. They, they kind of have been for years. You know, In my opinion, it's been since we started seeing major guys opt out of them for to, to forego NFL draft opportunities. That kind of was the initial, hey, watch out, alarms. Things might start happening with your bowl games. And then once the college football playoff expanded, it was like, all right, these really don't mean anything other than they're an additional spring game for a lot of teams. Yeah. And, you know, when you watch a bowl game and and the stadium's half empty or even more than that, it's, yeah, a little, it gets a little down. All right, let's talk a little bit about Georgia. So I want to play a gloomy Gus with you now. If I'm a Georgia fan, more than anything else, this should concern me about the upcoming season. what would you say about that? What is that thing that should concern me most about the upcoming season? 
two things. One, back-to-back weeks, Ole Miss, Tennessee. It's like your two, in my opinion, your two toughest matchups, and they're November 11th, November 18th, right behind one another. One team runs the football really, really well in Ole Miss, has the opportunity to come into Athens and kind of play outside of their, you know, head and, and over their head, if you will, play a little bit arrogant, play a little bit confident. Lane Kiffin typically has an ability to do that once or twice a year. Um, and then you go the weekend after that to Tennessee and to Knoxville. So I think those kind of back-to-back weeks are something. And, um, you know, outside of that, remaining healthy, I think that's the thing. But the biggest concern to me when I look at the roster, and I, I think Kirby kind of hit on this this week during his presser, or maybe it was last week. I don't know how, when was the last time we got him. But he talks about interior defensive line depth. You know, Nazir Stackhouse, they believe, is a great football player. I think he's a great football player. He's played really, really well the last two seasons at that nose tackle position. But outside of that, we're like, hey, Warren Brinson, first time, we need you to go out and be a starter. Are you going to be a, a guy like Devontae Wyatt was? Are you going to be a guy like Jalen Carter was? Or are you going to be – you know, 80% of that. And if you are 80% of that, where do we pick up the other 20%? Does that make sense? That's my yeah. biggest concern right now on the roster. Outside of that, it's, you know, you're as talented or more talented than anybody else at any position across the board. And you're far more talented at two critical positions, um, defensive back and offensive line. I think you have the the one of the best defensive back units in the country. And I, I, I would stand on Georgia being the best offensive line unit in the country. Yeah, and, you know, Yeah, a lot of folks ask me about the quarterback position. You know, Stetson Bennett, uh, you know, I think you're going to be in the movie when they make the Stetson Bennett movie. Yeah, you could have a part in that, you know. Maybe. You get a a new haircut, you might cut it as Stetson. I don't know. But, uh, (laughs) you know, what what an amazing story Stetson Bennett was. But that era is past now, you know, and uh, he's in the pros. So you have Carson Beck, apparently uh, the heir apparent, but nothing definitive has been stated about that as the starting uh, quarterback for Georgia. So you got uh, Carson Beck, you got Brock Vandergriff, and uh, you got Gunnar Stockton uh, in the quarterback room. A lot of people ask me, okay, what about Carson? And and my answer, and then just see if my answer is correct. Uh, my answer is, you know, he's got all the physical ability. Uh, the, he's got a rocket for an arm. He's a talented quarterback. I think he probably moves better than what people give him uh, credit for. He's got all the physical tools to be a, you know, a, a, a top-tier quarterback in college football. My yeah. one, I'm wondering if he has the intangibles that Stetson Bennett had. Stetson had just, I mean, the kid just, he could, he could motivate that team and rise up to the occasion almost like nobody I've ever seen uh, before in these big games uh, and provide that leadership that, you know, you, you're closer to that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm impressed with Carson. I'm impressed with his ability. Does he have that leadership ability? You think uh, that, uh, that can uh, take Georgia to where Georgia wants to go again. So I'm going to steal a, a scouting term from a buddy of mine that I was talking to last night, kind of about this subject. I think what you're talking about is Stetson, Stetson's ability to overcome short-term adversity you know, like right. sudden changes in a game. Oh, crap, we have a, a random fumble, a ball pop out of our hands against Alabama in the national title game. We find a way to overcome that really short-term adversity. It happened right now. Yeah, We don't know that about Carson Beck because he hasn't had the opportunity. But what we do know about Carson Beck is he's sure as heck overcome long-term adversity, right? The ability to say, hey, I, I didn't get my shot in 2021 when JT Daniels went down despite the fact that I was the number two. Okay, that's okay. We're going to keep working because obviously if I wasn't good enough to get my shot now, 
then that just means I wasn't good enough. Not I need to go somewhere else, right? So he keeps right. working, keeps working, keeps working, waits the 30 games that Stetson Bennett starts. And now it's his opportunity to get, you know, provide proof of concept that he can overcome short-term adversity. Um, I heard the stat, this is a while ago. I think it was uh, um, Connor Riley that gave this out. Uh, Carson Beck is the only member of the 2020 signing class, only quarterback in the 2020 signing class, to still be at the school he signed at without having made a career start. Okay, so wow. think about that. If the player hadn't started by now, every other kid in America, every other quarterback that signed in Division I football has either transferred or is the starter at that school. Wow. Carson Beck is the only one. So we know he can overcome long-term adversity. It's about, hey, you just threw a pick. We're only up seven. We're on the road. Joe Milton's got the ball, and he's about to throw for 4,000 yards and eclipse that mark this year. He's really good. What? Do, how do you respond? We don't know that because how right. could we? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, you know, and and listen, I you know, I, I've on my short list of Heisman uh, Trophy favorites, I got Carson Beck. I mean, I have great confidence in Carson, but but here's what I want to see. I want to see what you know. As Stetson did the phone call thing to the Tennessee fans, yeah. I, I want to see that from Carson. I, I want to see that moxie. I, I want to uh, see yeah. that confidence. I will say this: <laughs> I don't think that's that's who this kid that's is. That's not this, who he is. That's not. No, nah, this yeah. kid is like he's cool. Yeah, he, yeah, he's not like no highs, no lows. He's he's very. Have you ever been around Glenn Schumann? You ever heard Glenn Schumann yeah. talk? Yeah, very similar yeah. to Carson Beck. Like has no ups, has no downs. Someone said it to me this the other day. He has very low blood pressure. He's yeah. always got low blood pressure. He is never like you would never see him be emphatic, you know, doing something like this. He wouldn't be like talking with his hands. He's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, no, I like football. I like yeah. football. You know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, and that may certainly be, uh, be in his favor as we get into the season. Of course, it doesn't hurt. You know, I, I hate to disparage any team, but it doesn't hurt that he starts with UT Martin and Ball State, uh, you know, in the first two games. I mean, uh, that's got to be an advantage, right? You know, and Georgia shouldn't struggle against those teams, and uh, he should be able to kind of snuggle into the quarterback position with those two games, don't you think? Yeah, three of the first four games are against Ball State, UAB, and UT Martin, and, yeah. and home against South Carolina. Um yeah, I think I think in a road game to Norman at night would have been pretty tough sure. to figure out week two of the college football playoff or the college football season as a first year starter. Um, but that game got nixed by the SEC, obviously. So we're not going to have to watch that. We're going to watch Georgia, even the South Carolina game. I mean, yeah. from a front seven perspective, South Carolina is another like two or three years recruiting under Beamer from being ready to not have to rely on a bunch of turnovers to beat a football team like Georgia, if that makes sense. Like, if you're yeah. going to stand up, like, you got to have really, really good front seven play. I think you've even heard Shane Beaver talk about that in years past. So yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see, like, how they get warmed up. Because not not even just at quarterback, you know, like, they got a corner uh, battle that they haven't really solidified yet. They got a, a left tackle battle that they haven't really solidified yet. Well, we already talked about the questions on the interior defensive line. Smile Mondon. Are you going to be fully healthy? Hey, Xavier and Sori, go get some run while he's not quite back yet. So th there's a lot of opportunity to experiment and to grow in that first, you know, portion of the schedule for sure. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. Of course, uh, you're very, very plugged in uh, to recruiting uh, for the University of Georgia uh, right now. Most of the re recruiting services has uh, Georgia with the number one recruiting class for 2024. 
Um, you know, Georgia was uh, lost a target uh, last week, and then we had a guy flip to Alabama and all this. And Georgia fans are so finicky; they get they get really up in arms when stuff like that hap- happens, you know. And then they want to burn down, the, you know, the the city yeah. when a, a a target from the University of Georgia goes somewhere else and not to Georgia. So, uh, talk to me about this uh, recruiting class for twenty twenty four. Is Georgia going to maintain that top spot as far as the rankings? are concerned and uh, give me your impression of this class. So I think they, I mean, they have the number one overall class right now and there's still guys like Williams Winery that haven't made their decision. I think they're holding room for a guy like maybe Aiden Breland, who's a top 50 player and LJ McCray down there in Florida, who I'm pretty sure LJ McCray, if he's not the best defensive end in the country, he's pretty daggum close. The, the evaluators will get another chance to see him this fall. I've been told that kid's like 6'6", 280 now. Like, he's really, really big. Um, They think he might be the next, like, Trayvon Walker-type football player, Michael Williams-type football player. Not saying that they feel like they're going to land him. It's a really, really long way to go. Um, But they still have room. You know, they're they're ranked number one overall right now, and they got a really high rating. and And they still got room to add, like, really special players in this class, despite, like you mentioned, some of the misses as of late with guys like K.J. Bolden and Peyton Woodyard flipping to Alabama. The Peyton Woodyard, you know, to Alabama thing, I said this on our show last night. Georgia is a very unique place that all their all their recruits get over recruited. You know, guys are always trying to other programs are always trying to pick them apart and, and get them to come play for them instead of play for Georgia. And it's a lot of counter recruiting tactics. And just because you were committed to Georgia doesn't mean teams stop calling you. You know, Georgia might stop calling you if you're committed. But just because you're committed to Georgia doesn't mean teams are going to stop calling you. And. I don't know if this was one that Georgia was like, hey, let's make sure Peyton Woodyard doesn't flip on us. Let's make right. sure we're showing him extra love. Let's make sure whatever counting counter-recruiting tactics Alabama's using, let's make sure we're countering back, things like that. It what it didn't feel like an all-hands-on-deck approach to me. So I'm not saying right. they let that one happen, but whatever. So Jalen Hayward, the other safety that decommitted and, and is now – I mean, guys, he committed to UCF. So if you think guys are decommitting from Georgia to go to UCF, well, I can't really explain recruiting to you. Um, And then then the K.J. Bolden one, that is a miss, 100% a miss. They wanted that kid bad. Florida State did a great job, recruited him, and landed him. So I think sometimes you just see, hey, four-star decommitted from Georgia and went elsewhere, and you immediately think of, oh, well, Georgia must have been dying today. They must be pissed off in the room, <laughs> in, in the meeting rooms. Not necessarily. Not necessarily all the time. Yeah, yeah I, I think about I think about these kids that Georgia goes after, and they look at that roster, and they look at all the guys that have already been recruited. And, you know, if you don't have a, a great deal of confidence in yourself and your ability, you might say, you know, if I go to Georgia, I may not be on the field for two or three years, and I really would love to play. And, and uh, you know, if you don't if you're not really confident in your ability, I think, uh, to um, to compete with these guys, it, it may be a detriment. Don't you think? Is that true? Is that is that is that a reality? Listen to this. I wrote this down last night. David Daniel, Nylon Green, Dalen Everett, Julian Humphrey, Jonel Aguero, Justin Rett and A.J. Harris. That's seven defensive backs on the roster right now at the University of Georgia that have at least two years of eligibility, some as much as four. Um, that were all top 200 players, like I said, in the country, and none of them have started a single game at the University of Georgia. Wow. Seven guys. Seven guys in that room that were the greatest player at their high school, that were four and five stars, that right now 
are sitting at the University of Georgia fighting, scratching claw and trying to get onto the field. So, yeah, um, if that ain't used in on the recruiting trail by schools like Florida State that need high quality football players on their roster and, and in their depth chart, then they're probably not recruiting the way that they should be. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're talking to a kid like KJ Bolden, you tell him the honest truth. Hey, Malachi Starks is great. He's got to play two more years there. They just signed Jonel Aguero. He's great. He's really, really good. Not saying you're not, but he's great. They only play two safeties. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like that that should be used as a recruiting tactic from other programs for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I look over the uh, the recruits for 2024. I'm impressed with the with the you know offensive recruits, uh, Rayoli, Puglisi, and and all of those guys on the offensive line. But man, these guys on the offensive and defensive lines. Now you played college football. I, I look at these guys. I look at the film of these uh, these offensive linemen and defensive linemen. These linebackers, the size of them coming out of high school. What in the world is their mama feeding them? And the speed that they they uh, you know show and uh, that they have. Uh, you know, uh, back in the day, I you know I've been a, a college football, high school football fan for a long time. I just they're just something different about these kids these days. They're they're bigger, they're faster uh, coming out of high school. It's almost like they're college ready. Uh, yeah. You know, it, uh, how does that happen? <laughs> so Georgia's prioritized it for sure. Georgia, like the first thing I I talked to when when. You know, I'm, I'm a director of recruiting for a reason. I see a lot of high school football players and a lot of coaches call me. And when Georgia coaches call me about players or I'm talking to Georgia coaches about players, the number one thing I hear about skill guys is, well, what are the track times? Have you checked the track times? What are the track times? Because they want to know. Like, it's verifiable speed. You can't lie. You, there's no lying a laser. You can't do it. So if I know that you go out and you're a sub-11 second 100-meter in runner in the tra- on the track, I know you're fast enough to play a skill position at the University of Georgia. They prioritize it. Malachi Starks, great, great track athlete, okay? So when he goes and plays college football and you're like, dang, he just ran that dude down from Missouri. Well, they prioritize it, right? All their corners, all their corners are sub-11 second runners. If you don't run sub-11 seconds in the 100, you will not play defensive back at Georgia, period, point blank. And on the offensive side of the football – They've always prioritized size, but since Stacey Searles has taken over, they have really prioritized it. It has been, if you aren't 6'6 plus, I have a hard time recruiting you. Uh, A kid like Casey Pope, Casey Pope's a great football player, about 6'3 and a half, 305 pounds. He looks nothing like anybody that's even in the room and that's being recruited right now by Stacey Searles. He signed five, six guys. He signed six guys, will sign six guys in this class. That will average six foot six, three hundred and fifty pounds. It's that's unbelievable. It's and these sense. and these guys can move. I mean, they it's not move. like they're sloths. I, <laughs> you know, I, I watch some film and I, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm amazed. Uh, you know, we're we're located in South Georgia. It's a hotbed uh, for high school football. And you know, you go to these high school football games, and you you see these these linemen lumber out on the field. You know, before the game to do the pregame. Uh, you know, warm-ups and that kind of thing. And then when the whistle starts and the game starts, it is amazing to me. You see these big guys running down the running backs, and uh, it's, yeah, I, I tell you, college football is, uh, high school football co- feeding into college is something. Well, listen, I ha- I got some teams that mm-hmm. I say are most probably going to make the playoffs. And so okay. if you make the playoffs, you know, uh, that that you, um, you know, you, you can uh, – you know, you can eventually win the national championships. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you my teams. 
and and see what you think about my list, and maybe you want to add or take away some. I got Georgia, obviously. I got Michigan. Now these mm. are teams I think can make the playoffs in 2023. Georgia, Michigan. I got Florida State in there. Uh, mm. I got Ohio State, USC, Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, Penn State, Washington, Clemson, and Oregon. Uh, those are the teams that I think out of those teams, four of those teams are going to make uh, the playoffs. So what do you think about that? So I think it was 11 teams that you named. Um, Florida State, yeah. really, Florida yeah. State, really, really tough schedule. Um, got to play LSU yeah. and the ACC slate. Got Clemson, I believe, on the road. Um, they play LSU and Clemson, I think, in the first four weeks. So we're going to kind of know about yeah. Florida State really, really early in this football season Wait. about what yeah. – what their national title contention is. Um, I'm a big manage expectations type of guy. I think it's important that we don't add unnecessary expectations onto our football program with our mouth as football coaches. Um, I learned that from Kirby Smart, by the way. Kirby Smart does not give any reason for anybody to think anything about his team. If you listen to him talk, he gives you nothing unless he wants to give you something, all right? He, he's not out yeah. here telling you before the 2020 se- 21 season that he's going to have 15 guys drafted in the NFL draft, that he's going to break an NFL draft record, even though he knew he had a great football team. He's not going to say that, all right? But you know who is? Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh been telling everybody yeah. and their mama that Michigan is the most talented football team in college football this year. So they better win a national title because he's told people he's going to have 20 guys drafted this year in the NFL draft. He's told people that he's going to have seven, seven offensive linemen drafted this year in the NFL draft. That's how Jim Harbaugh is out here talking to people about his football team. So Michigan better make the playoff. Um, is that a good strategy? I mean, should you do that as a coach? I, look, I, I, mean, I, said, really? I, I said this the other night, man. I, you don't have to be Nick Saban. You don't have to be Kirby Smart. You don't have to be uh, Vince Lombardi. You don't have to be these people. But these people don't do that. Bill Belichick does not do that. Bill Belichick does not come out and say, you know who I think is going to be NFL Rookie of the Year? Mac Jones. I think he's great. He doesn't say that. He never says that. It's always on to Cincinnati. It's always baseline information. It's always, I don't know, we'll see if he's he's ready. You know what I mean? Like, you ask me if it's a good strategy. Some people will say, oh, he's just confident in his football team. We can be confident behind doors. We can tell our guys we're going to run through brick walls together and we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You don't have to go tell the media every time you get an opportunity. So I I don't know if it's a great great tactic and a great strategy, but it's Jim Harbaugh. You know what I mean? Jim Harbaugh is very, very different, very different human being. And his differences have led to a lot of great results. So it's kind of hard to question him, to be honest. Yeah, and, you know, when you talk like that, you put a lot of pressure on your team. You put a lot of pressure on yourself with your fans, uh, you know, you better deliver. Like you say, you better deliver. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, what we're 20 something days away from uh, the beginning of the season, man, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've had uh, college football, just a couple of other things uh, while we have you here. Uh, but, okay. Let, which is more likely. Let me give you a couple of these, which is more likely uh, that UGA wins a third national championship in a row or a big team breaks through. Uh, for a national championship. Which of those two are more likely, you think? So, like, uh, a random team breaks in and win a national title yeah. or Georgia or wins. Georgia wins. Or, yeah. or Georgia wins the third. So, would USC count as a random team here? Because USC <laughs> hasn't won a title since, what, 05? Yeah. 
So they would kind of count, right? If they count, yeah. I'm, I'm taking them because I, I think they do have a good enough quarterback to defy all of the roster holes that they have. And right. by God, do they have a bunch. Yeah. Um, On the defensive UFC, side, don't you think? Yeah, For sure. UFC, yeah. that's what I was about to say. They might have to score 55 a game to win. <laughs> yeah. but, but they can they do can, that. They can do that. Like, yeah. it's – I mean, I – I study a lot of football. It's kind of what I do. Um, it's what I'm passionate about. There are a few offenses in this world that I, I, I look at and go, like, what, what is how? How did he do that? How did he know to do that? Why is he calling that play? Why is that defense doing that against them all the time? Because they just – man, Lincoln Riley is a very special, special mind when it comes to offensive football. Yeah. He just don't know how to recruit a defender to save his butt, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And I've often I've often thought, why, well, why don't he go get a defensive coordinator and say, look, go give me some players? Uh, you know, he's why, had why great did, ones. He's had yeah. great ones. Alex Grinch was his defense coordinator yeah. at, at Oklahoma. I thought, That's I mean, true. did a great job. It's just, I think it's a matter like when you're the head coach, you get to allocate the resources, especially on the recruiting trail, right? So Kirby Smart does a really good job of recruiting an entire class every year, right? Hey, go out, recruit 25, 20, 30 guys that we know can play at important positions for us across the board. Give me five offensive linemen. Go get three or four wide receivers. Get a tight end, maybe two. Make sure we sign a quarterback. You know what I mean? It's very balanced, offense and defense. Make sure we get – if we sign 13 defensive guys, make sure we sign 12 offensive guys. It's like really, really balanced because your roster needs to be balanced. I don't think roster allocation is balanced out there under Lincoln Riley. It wasn't at Oklahoma, and it's certainly not been at USC. Yeah. All right, uh, which is more likely? Alabama wins the SEC West, and the divisions are going away after this year. Uh, Alabama wins the SEC West, or LSU or Texas A&M does. Which is uh, more likely? So I, it's basically Alabama or the field. I'm, I, I think LSU is the most talented and most uh, flawless team in the SEC West this year. I have a very, very, very hard time in 2023 going into a football season and saying, you can win a division title. You can go to a college football playoff if I don't know who your quarterback is or what your quarterback is. And that's yeah. exactly where we're at right now with Alabama. Um, I, I do believe they have a great offensive line, but I am not one of these people that thinks you can win 12 or 11 football games in the SEC lining up saying, hey, we're going to punch you in the mouth today. It hasn't yeah. been done probably since Derrick Henry. I don't, yeah. I don't think I don't think a football team has done that in this conference since Derrick Henry. Georgia wasn't able to do it when they had Isaiah Wilson, Andrew Thomas, uh, Ben Cleveland, Trey Hill, Saul McKinley. They have five NFL football guys barring some kind of stupid decision on their offensive line, and they couldn't lean on people and stay perfect. So I find it a hard time to believe that that's the, the recipe for success. And I watched what LSU and Brian Kelly did last year. I thought Brian Kelly should have, you know, had an opportunity to win coach of the year last year with the holes in that roster winning an SEC West. I know they laid an egg against Tennessee at home, but that was a, that was a bad football team that played like a really good one last year out there at LSU. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> That's what it's all about, uh, which is more likely Ohio state, Michigan or Penn state wins the big 10 or somebody else. Uh, definitely the big three out there. I, I, I mean, Wisconsin's probably going to, because they're still playing divisions. Wisconsin, I think, is the team out of the West um, out there in the Big Ten because the Big Ten West is still really, 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 really bad. It's like yeah. Wisconsin and seven teams that would go four and eight in the SEC. Um, yeah. And then in terms of like I, 
I have a hard time buying into the Penn State hype because I follow recruiting so well. You can't recruit like little brother, and I mean little brother. Like they they recruit like South Carolina in comparison to what Georgia is and what Ohio State is and what Michigan is. Michigan and Ohio State recruit at a top five level annually. Penn State does not do that. Penn State recruits at like a top 12 level annually, and it's really, really hard year over year to kind of summon up the strength to beat those two football teams enough to win the Big Ten. So I would take like an Ohio State there. I think this is the year, um, you know, they have an opportunity. Well, probably Michigan because they have an actual quarterback um, that they know of. Yeah, well, uh, well, listen, in the uh, Peach Bowl, was it a penalty or not? <laughs> um, per the letter of the law, not a penalty. Um, right. And that's all that matters, right? The yeah. letter of the law. His, it, I think the letter of the law actually is forcible contact um, with the crown of the helmet. He did not. He made contact with the shoulder collar and forcible contact to the head or the neck of a defenseless receiver. He did not. He made initial contact to the sternum of Marvin Harrison. It's the reason why replay exists. So right. we can actually apply what happened to the letter of the law because otherwise why in the heck do we have a law why do we have a rule if we can't imp- uh, you know uh, implement it to the actual uh, lettering of how it was written when will uh, ryan day quit talking about it you know i don't think that's ryan's <laughs> fault I, I watched i know it's it's I know. every time it's not their fault they keep getting asked about it but i know i, I think I, know. At, I think at this point if the if the roles are reversed at this point Kirby would make that reporter feel so damn nervous to ask that question that he just wouldn't ask it because you knew what you were going to get, right? It would be a, I'm not talking about it, so quit asking. (laughs) It would be very similar to that. That's true. You've got him down pat. You've got him down pat. All right. Uh, Well, uh, we're going to let you go, Brooks. Uh, Brooks awesome with us here from uh, Sports Illustrated. And just quickly, just one, one quick thing. What in the world is going on with college football and the, all these conference realignments? Are we through with that? Or and who's going to go to the Rose Bowl from the Pac-10 after oh. you know after this year? I mean, what what what's happening? <laughs> so the, the Rose Bowl will be will be the Playoff. Big Ten's championship game, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah so they'll they'll do the Big Ten. Somehow the Big Ten is going to add, I think, two or three more teams, or slide two or three more teams out to the West and make them travel and be in a division, essentially, um, or a, a, a pseudo division with those teams so they're not traveling so far um, week in and week out. I, I don't know, man. Um, I hate, and hate's a strong word, I hate that the sport that I love is being impacted this drastically, seemingly by the, like, the gust of a wind. It doesn't seem to me that the decision makers in college football are making these decisions with any type of uh, foresight or deep thought process, it seems like they're just like, oh, my God, we better go. We better go. We got And then they go. And then they jump into a conference, and now all of college football is realigned because, what, the Pac-12 has got a bad TV deal? Like, <laughs> And that's – it's just – it's yeah. wild to me, man, honestly. Like, a sport that – and conference realignment is not new to college football. It's happened, right? And last time it happened was in 2013, and it happened to the SEC. So this is not new to college football. I, like I said, just hate that – the decision makers are, are are doing this like the guy that sits at the at the corner of the street and is like, hey, what are we doing tonight, boys? Well, <laughs> I, I, I guess we're going to go to the bar down the street, and, and they just go do that tonight. And it's yeah. just because that's what they decided. I, I don't love that. 
I don't like it either. All right, Brooks Austin's been with us from Sports Illustrated Foundation. Brooks, it's so uh, great to have you on our program. I can talk to you a lot longer about college football, and we'll try to have you back soon. Thank you for being with us today, man. Yeah, no doubt, brother. It's been fun. All right, appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. See you.